Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Today's guest comes all the way from Houston, right? Yeah. Houston, Texas. If you're a basketball fan, that's not a good place to be at. But that's all right. He's a transformational success coach. He helps ambitious high achievers, um, you know, take care of their lives, their careers by taking them to the next level, stepping into what is their full potential. This man is going to bring the heat today. Guys, allow me to introduce you guys, the man himself, Justin Aldridge. What is up, my brother? I'm excited, man. Oh, man, I'm stoked. I'm super stoked, brother. Ever since we first met, man, someone introduced us. They just like extreme edification with regards to who you were, your identity, your morals, your values, your what you've achieved and what you're building. And I was like, man, dude, what? Who is this guy? Can I meet him? You're a you're a, you're a success coach. What prompted you to get into that industry? Man, really, my background. So my background was in education yeah. and I just, I always felt this great sense of calling for my life. Like I was meant to do something big yeah. and I got into professional speaking and was able to travel, be up on stages doing what I really, really love to do. And, but that was right around the time that I was having kids as well. Yeah. And my son was about to be born, which is my second. And I missed so much of my daughter's first year. Mm. At that time I was still working full time while also building a business. And so, I mean, I, I literally missed all of the milestones of her first year of life. Yeah. And I just told my wife, I was like, I, that's just, I, I don't want to do that again with JJ. And I had wanted, I had been wanting to build my coaching practice. And it was just one of those things where I had had people for years reaching out to me like, right. Justin, how are you accomplishing all these different things? By that time, I'd already written and published my first book, which nice. was an Amazon bestseller. I had done some things in my past. I graduated in top 1% of my class from university of Texas. I played college football yeah. there. So I was able to do some really cool things and just had people reaching out to me, want to like learn more about my work ethic, my habit, all these different things. Right. And it was just one of those things Whenever I finally put it out there. Like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I had people start taking interest and it just kind of grew organically. Right. Nice. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, I was, I was just having this conversation with, uh, with someone sometimes in business. It's not that, you know, when you first start, you don't, you don't know if you love it yet. You just kind of just, I, I, I was saying like, I, cause I come from a corporate world, right? Where I thought it was good. I thought it was good income, but I was dissatisfied. It doesn't mean I wasn't grateful. I was grateful for the opportunity to have worked there, but I was, there was something in me that just, I was triggered. I was like, yo, I need to, I need to get to something else. And so like, you know, from, from, the, from, from listening to you, it just sounds like you've always been triggered right now. Having said that, triggered in a good way, like right. I need, I need, I need, I need more. Having said that, does that stem from something? Do you come from a family of business owners? No, actually. Well, my dad was—he was an entrepreneur. He started his own construction company, but I never really considered my dad an entrepreneur because he never really like ran his business like a business. Hmm. But outside of that, no, we, I had no sort of entrepreneurial guidance or yeah. anything like that. And so I'm the youngest of five kids. Hey. Both of my parents were high school dropouts. My dad was 21 with five kids. My mom was 20 with three. So, I mean, we struggled growing up. Yeah. And if you, you ask anybody who knows my family and they will tell you that I am the polar opposite of all of my siblings, <laughs> like my three eldest siblings, all high school dropouts, my, my immediate blood brother, that's a year older than me. He was just one of those ones. Like he was more of a party boy went off to the military, kind of did his own thing. But I was always the one 
who like stayed in on the weekends and yeah. did my own thing. So I always had this sense of direction and drive and just determination to get somewhere else because I right. knew that the life that I experienced growing up was not the life that I wanted to live. Right. I knew from an early age, and I think a lot of people they when I when you say things like these like this, a lot of people are scared to own it. But yeah. I knew that I was meant to live a much better life than that. Mm. And it got to the point where I just had to really tap into that. And I, I, I've been a person of faith my entire life. Yeah. And so I think that my faith and the fact that I believe that God makes us for more than just being average and mediocre is a big part of that driving factor. Right. But it was really a lot of the experiences in my childhood that right. have just driven and propelled me forward every step of the way. I grew up in a pastoral home. Father and mother are both pastors of a church. Um, there's this, there's always almost, I want to, I don't want to say unfair expectation, but it's just like, dude, just let me, let me go fail. Right. And so it, it brings up a favorite story that I have and it's, uh, Matthew 28 and in Matthew 28, um, Lazarus has passed away. Lazarus was like Jesus's boy. Right. So I always have like this modern day, this modern day analogy of it. So I could, I could imagine like, Mary probably sent a bunch of tag. She probably tagged Jesus on everything. She probably sent him a bunch <laughs> of snaps. Yo, your boy's dead, right? So he comes three days late. The body stinks. And and he comes from a road trip. So he probably was like, yo, can we go buy Chick-fil-A before we go to the tomb? And uh, anyways, long story short, right? They go to the tomb. And he tells something very, very important. Jesus does tell something very, very important to Mary. And he doesn't tell her. He doesn't tell her to do the miracle. He doesn't tell her to get a doctor. He doesn't tell her. He tells her one simple thing, and that was move the stone. Move the stone, right? And we all know the rest of the story. Jesus walks in, resurrects Lazarus. But the reason why I talk about moving that stone, obviously you come from a very, I can, I can imagine how hard it was seeing your father go to prison. I can imagine how hard it was growing up and not having everything. I can imagine what it was being the youngest of, of, of your siblings and not living that life of going out. What stones in your life have you been able to move where you could see, hey, I needed to move that in order for there to be progression in my life? Oh, man. The, the biggest stone that I had to move in my life was the stone of insecurity and mm. lack of um, lack of belief that this life was for me. I was a kid who I battled anxiety yeah. my entire childhood, teen years, everything, because I think that that sense of calling inside of my life, like I tell everybody, there was like this just horrible internal friction inside of me my entire life. Yeah. Because I had this sense of calling inside of me, like I'm supposed to do something great with my life, but everything around me is telling me like, Justin, no, like, you're supposed to be like this average at best dude, like in everything that you do. Yeah. And so it just like tore me up inside. And so I was just so anxious my entire life. And then in my twenties, I ended up battling depression really badly. And it was coming to that point. So really the, um, I guess the, the stone moving, moving moment for me. Yeah. And this is something that I haven't shared with a lot of people, but when my, when my wife and I got married was at really the height, the peak of my depression. Yeah. And 10 months into our marriage, I had an affair because I was at such a bad place and I loved my wife so deeply, but because I had all these insecurities, because I had all these fears of people leaving me, yeah. I, I could not tell my wife that I wanted her to leave. So 
So I, I was such a coward that I did the one thing that I could think of that would push her away. Right. And I love the fact that you called out scripture in that because what I saw God do through her in the next several months was amazing. Yeah. Because most people, you know, they find out about something like that. They find out about the transgressions that I had against her and they leave. Right. They pack up their stuff and they're gone. <laughs> My wife told me, Justin, meet me at the church. And I sat there a broken man laying literally at the base of probably a 60-foot cross. I'm at the yeah. base of a cross. And my wife looks me in the face, and she's sitting there, and we're talking, and she's, she's telling me how she wants, to, she wants to help me get through this, that she knows that this is not the man that I was meant to be, that I want to be. And I looked at her, and I said, why won't you just leave me alone? I was like, don't you understand that I just want you to go? And she just looked at me, and she said, that's why. She said, because that's not the man that I married. She said, the man that I married was meant for more than that. And man, it just, it wrecked my world. Dude, like she loved me so deeply and so unconditionally. And I saw God work through a person in a way that I'd never experienced before. Right. And that was really, for me, on the other side of that, it was, all right, just like you said, Justin, you're either going to like suck it up, man up, and you're going to push this stone and you're going to create the life that you've always wanted for yourself or going to leave it there and you're going to walk away a coward because right. you don't want to do the work necessary in order to create what it is that you actually want. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I think one of the, one of, I mean, in my personal journey, one of the biggest things was right. Becoming, being honest with yourself when um, I was just in an interview and they were like, what, what's, what's one of the most important things uh, an entrepreneur should do? I was like, dude, honesty, like, and it's not even lying to your clients or lying to your team. It's stop lying to yourself. Stop BSing yourself. Like once you become, once you understand your own reality and, 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 and just coming, coming, coming to a place where I, I'm okay with my reality and that can improve. That's when you discover real freedom. And so one of, one of, one of the things that I really, I really want to ask was like, I, I, I like to tell, especially when I, you know, when I'm, when I'm meeting a new associate and I'm working with a new team member, it, it's, Hey, fell fast, fell now and fell often. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, there's been some failures in, in, your, in using your words. You said the transgressions, right? Mm-hmm. How have those failures helped you shape not just your business, but your identity today? They've been probably the single biggest, I guess, molding uh, force in my life. I was always one of those ones like I was scared of failure because yeah. I grew up. And like I said, being different than my siblings, like I took on this label of the golden child and I hated it. Everybody put me up on this pedestal. And so I felt so much internal pressure that I could not fix. So literally I lived the first 24 years of my life terrified of failure, terrified of Mm. like I would go to any length, any extreme not to fail because I felt like I was going to let everybody down. Like I was the image bearer for my family. I'm like, I, I can't fail. Yeah. And it was literally that, that, that affair was the turning point in my life. And as much as I hate the fact that I did that, it made me understand that I'm not perfect. Yeah. And then it's actually going through the valleys that allow us to appreciate and desire the peaks even right. more. Yeah. So like coming out of that, whenever I got into speaking, like speaking was something I always wanted to do. And I tell people all the time, the first time I got up on stage, I sucked. I was terrible. <laughs> Yeah. And it would have been very easy for me to just be able to just like cut bait and just go and be like, no, this isn't for me. Like I can't handle the fear of being judged by these people. So I got to go do something else. 
<laughs> but it was going through that perception of failure, whether somebody else out there thought it was good or not. In my mind, it was a failure. Right. And that was when I learned to reframe failure. When I started to understand the things that you hear people, successful people talk about how, you know, there's only failure is only when you quit. That's right. the only true failure in life. Then I started to understand the power of reframing failure and actually getting to the point where I'm seeking failure out. Yeah. Because if I'm seeking failure out rather than running from it, then I know that I'm growing. Then I know yeah. that I'm on the track to the next goal. Yeah, no, that's good. Now, in, in that reframing process, because I think the, the beauty about what you just talked about, it's like, I think we all go through that. Like um, one of my mentors, he says, it's not that bad habits go away. They don't. You just you 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 develop a strength to make that a weakness. But as, in a moment of weakness, those bad habits come back. Right. And that's just that's just human nature. But in the in that development, what are things that you did to to help you to get you in that reframing process? Because that's that's not something that school teaches us. That's not something that church teaches us. You know, it's just like you just kind of personal development. I think it it's almost a language of its own. Right. Um, so in that reframing process, what are things that helped you? Honestly, for me, like I was always that annoying, positive kid growing up. Like I was always the one who was able to take situations and spin them and reframe. So reframing is always something that's come natural to me. Yeah. But in that one key area of life, it was something I could not reframe. Like I couldn't even get myself to the point where I could face the failure, yeah. let alone try to reframe it. It was like, no, right. A failure is bad. There's no good in it. It is bad. And so it was like every other area of life where everybody was kind of the, the glass half empty kind of person. Like yeah. I was the person who was always able to take a bad situation and find that silver lining. Right. I was the kid growing up like in high school and stuff that people would text when they were going through a bad situation, when they were looking for a positive out, uh, a, a positive outlook on the situation. Right. So it just came natural to me. But then I started to understand that when it came to business, when it came to trying to achieve certain levels of success, that you can reframe literally anything. Right. It's just a matter of how how deep are you willing to go? To what length are you willing to go to find the positive in that? Yeah. And for me, it was one of those things where in that one area of life, that's where I had to really consciously dig deep. Because we all know, as people who are involved in personal development, personal growth and transformation requires consciousness. Yeah. The reason why most people never transform is because they're unwilling to do the conscious work. Doing the conscious work, it's not like the slow, steady race, like 95% of our life. Like it's the hard on sprint, like getting right. after it. And so it exhausts people to have to sit there and try to face that kind of work. And most people don't want to do it. And that was for me, like I said, I had to be like, Justin, you're sprinting in every other area of life, dude. Yeah. But you got to be willing to sprint in this area. Yeah, so no. I had to become conscious of it. And I had to start calling myself out on it. No, that's, I, I. I like that because I, I, I think one of the things that, that early on in entrepreneurship and early on in personal development, more than just entrepreneurship, right? Just in personal development, you always, I, I hear this a lot, especially in the social media realm, this idea of finding balance. When you're, when you're transforming, there's no balance, dude. You're just, I just feel like it's like you talk about a full sprint. When you're sprinting, guess what lacks oxygen, dude. That's why you breathe heavy, right? There's no balance in that. You just your body's like, yo, I need I need blood flow and I need oxygen now, right? So in 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 that process of you know you're sprinting in your business, you're sprinting in in your family, right? In that takeoff period, what does balance look like for you, and what does that really mean for you? 
Dude, I love that question because it was something that I struggled with a lot whenever I first got into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I went through what I call balance shaming. Like I was shaming myself because of the fact that, you know, I wasn't spending as much time with my family. I wasn't spending as much time going out and hanging out with friends and things like that. Like there were a lot right. of sacrifices that I was making in the pursuit of growing my business. Mm, but yeah. then I had this like j this click and actually part of it was watching Shonda Rhimes TED talk. And she was talking in there about how she went through this exact same thing. For me, the realization I had to come to was that balance is not a measure of time. Hmm. It's a measure of quality. Wow. So it's quality over quantity. Everybody wants to seek balance in the amount of time that you're allocating to each bucket of life. Yeah. But when we're doing that, what we find is that actually most of that time is half-assed anyway. Hmm. So what I came to the realization of for me was that I would, I would rather have one hour, one hour of just locked in, fully dedicated and devoted time with my family a day yeah. than three hours of half-assed distracted time. Right. And so when I, when I came to that realization, I was like, oh, wait, it's not about the time. It's about the quality of the time that right. I give. Yes, you've got to make sure that you're prioritizing certain things and that you are giving time and attention to certain things. But it's not about the amount of time. It's about the quality of time that you're investing into those different areas. No, that's that I uh I don't um Dad Up, Brian, Dad yeah. Up Podcast. Um yep. he 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 talked about this when he came on my show and he said, uh, we schedule time for the gym, we schedule time for work, we schedule time for our appointments, we schedule time for, you know, dry cleaning, we we schedule time for everything. And we forget to schedule time for our family. And like they, yeah. they, they, they get the, they get the crumbs of our time. Like you get the yeah. me watching TV time. You get the me around the house doing chores. Like you don't get the focus. And it's just like uh, what you just said. It's that, that, that priority, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to schedule this time for this family. And for this one hour, these two hours, I'm going to be locked into this moment. And that's, that's, that's powerful. Now, obviously, you know, you're a father. Um, you know, you're a husband to an amazing wife. Um, how have you found your journey into entrepreneurship? How has that, how has that impacted or how has that changed the dynamic in the family? Cause I know you talked about, you know, there's, there's sprint moments, right. And sacrifices. How have you both worked together in that? Yeah. So it's kind of funny because I actually was thinking about getting out of entrepreneurship right before my daughter was born. And it was a moment that I had with her that actually reignited the fire. Hmm. And I was sitting there whenever she was just a couple months old and it's the middle of the night and I'm sitting there and I'm rocking her and I'm looking down at her face while she's dozing yeah. off. And I'm just having like this total like sappy dad moment. And yeah. I'm just like playing out her entire life in my mind. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what is she going to look like when she grows up? Uh -huh. What is she going to do? Who's she going to marry? What's her personality going to be like all these things. And I remember getting this overwhelming sense of excitement that came over me. And because I was thinking there, like thinking about telling her one day about chasing her dreams. Yeah. And then as quickly as that excitement came, I just had this pit in my stomach. And I was like, Justin, like you can't have that conversation with her from a place of authenticity. Cause you're not doing that right now. Mm. And I just had this like vision in my mind of, I don't want to tell my kids one day, like what I think it looks like from the mountaintop. Like I want to take them, to the mountaintop with me and yeah. show them yeah. what it looks like. And so like my wife, she's been an entrepreneur for years. She's a hairstylist. 
And now she does Monet, which is a MLM business for hair care, skin care, digestive health products. And we had to go through this process of finding uh, balance when it came to making our marriage and our relationship with our kids a priority first. Right. And I actually, I actually love what one of your mentors, Ed Milet, talked about. And going back to what you were saying before about the balance and scheduling. Right. And he was talking about how he actually started literally putting in his schedule his time with his family. Right. And how a lot of people thought that that was ridiculous, that he had to actually schedule in time. But going back to what you said, you put everything else that's quote-unquote important into yeah. your calendar, but yet you leave the most important thing out. Yeah, is, and that yeah. was the thing for us was we had to go through and have this conversation like, hey, how are we going to make this work? Like, what are our schedules going to look like? How are we going to make spending time with the kids a priority? How are we going to make date nights a priority? So we just had these conversations about all these really important topics because we wanted to make sure that we made, because she's chasing her dream, I'm chasing my dream, we're chasing our dream together, and we wanted to make sure that we made it sustainable, that we made it something that wasn't going to crash and burn because we were both bumping up against each other's schedule. We were making our thing a priority over their thing. So it's just communication, man. Oh, for sure. That's one. That's and that's one of the biggest things in in business in general. And I and because in business you got to build relationships, right? Like especially oh, yeah. in leadership um, and in your type of business. Like there's there's the relationship building and over communicate. My Christopher, you know, you've met my mentor Christopher. He always says, "I rather know too much too soon than too little too late." Like, yeah. tell me too much too soon than too little too late. So that's important. And I I, I love that you said. You know, you, you have your daughter in your arms and you're, you're, you're just kind of foreshadowing, you know, what her future would look like. But then this 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 just urge of, hey, it's I almost want to be that voice right now. Right. And be like, hey, yo, Justin, you got to go get your own shit first before you, you know, before you show her to go do it. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of responsibility that comes upon entrepreneurship. It's more. Yeah. And this is what I say about about personal development. It looks selfless. But it's the it's it's, sorry, it looks selfish, but it's the Mm -hmm. most selfless thing you could do is personal development. So, oh, yeah, you're in the personal development business, right? You've obviously you have you've you've had to personally have gone through that rut to now preach about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So in in that development, what, what would you say, you know, to someone who's beginning or to someone who's looking for a mentor to someone who's looking for a coach? Like, how do I go about that? How do I go about, hey, I need to get out this rut. I don't know what that feeling is. First and foremost, I would say don't seek anything outside of yourself because I believe that we're all intuitive creatures. And the fact that you know that you need to create change, lean into that. Stop thinking that the power is outside of you. Yes, you can go find mentors. You can read books. You can watch YouTube videos. You can do all these amazing things and get deeper level help. But lean into the voice inside of you first and foremost, because that's going to be the guiding factor. You're going to know right off the bat some of the things that you need to start doing, whether that's making space, whether that's giving your time to think, giving yourself time to think, whether that is having some sort of emotional um, release in your life, something like that. So lean into that intuition first and foremost. And then from there, just get curious. That's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is when it comes to personal development, there's no one size fits all recipe for anybody. Some people are into meditation. Some people are into prayer. Some people are into taking walks. Some people are into exercising. Some people are into journaling. Some people are into reading. So it comes in all forms and facets. So get curious. And then the last thing I would say Mm -hmm. is commit to the process. 
Like yeah. you said, personal development is not a one and done thing. It's not like you do it one time. You're yeah. like, sweet, I'm good to go for the rest of the journey. <laughs> no, nice. it's just that. It is yeah. a journey and you got to commit to the process. So whatever you're doing along the way, there's got to be some core tenets like that fit into your recipe and you got to commit to them because what you're going to find. So what I talk about a lot in my coaching is I help people tap into and step into their full potential. Mm. Like I believe there's a superhero, like a higher level version inside of every single one of us. And that's the way that we were meant to step out into the world every single day. Yeah. But we can't do that whenever life and the people in it is piling their shit on top of us. Yeah. And if you don't have some sort of personal development, self-care routine, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to get buried under everybody else's stuff, their priorities, the things that they say to you and about you, the plans that they have for your life. Yeah. So you've got to commit to the long-term process of doing this over and over and over again so that you can create the life that you actually want to create. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a, it's, I, and I love how you said, uh, be curious, right? It's like the, the, one of the, one of the analogies I use, it's like dating, like, you know, like, like not the, you don't, the first person you meet, you don't like them and, and marry them the first day. Like there's a process mm-hmm. to that, right? Think of entrepreneurship the same way. Give it a 90 days. Give it a solid 90 days. Like one of the things I've learned is it takes 21 days to break a habit and it takes 90 days to create a lifestyle. If, if by the end of 90 days, like that person still annoys you, then kick them out of your life. If they, they right, treat, treat business the same way or, and, and a coach the same way. And that's good. And I, I agree with you, man. You can't litter negativity everywhere and complain about having a trashy life. Like you just got to. You just got to, it, it's all in, in that process. And that's, that's beautiful, man. So how long have you, have you, have, how long have you been in that, in that space as far as being a coach yourself? So I've been, I guess, quote unquote, technically a coach for about two years now. But when I got out of college, so about 10 years ago, I started my first business, which was a personal training business. And from that point on, I've been coaching people in some form or capacity yeah. every single step of the way. The, you know, the, the title may have been different, but the personal growth and the transformation and helping people take hold of this, their mind, that's been there for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. No, that's, that's now, now I, I, I love that you said that because I resonate with that part. And this is the part that really juices me up. I, I didn't find a mentor until I was 27. I didn't know I had to look for one. I'll do you one better. I didn't even know how to look for one. I didn't know that I needed one. And I didn't know that or how to go about that process. Now that doesn't mean I wasn't, that doesn't mean I wasn't motivated. That doesn't mean I was an entrepreneur minded dude. I'm like, when I played sports my whole life, put me inside the lines. I'm in there to rip your head off. Now I know you have a lot of that same energy because you played collegiate football. You've played sports your whole life. And now you're in entrepreneurship. How did is, was mentorship a major part of your development? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Everybody needs mentorship. I think that there's a confusion about mentorship. Mm. Like I think that people think that they have to go out and pay for mentorship. Yeah. And I do think that there is value in that. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm a coach. I've got coaches who help me because if you want to speed up the process of life, like we all know the most valuable resource we have in this life is time. We yeah. can't get time back. And having those mentors that you're investing in, that allows you to be able to speed up the process to the success that you desire. 
But that's not the only form of mentorship. Yeah. So on our very first call, I told you who some of the people that I consider to be my mentors. Yeah. So the Ed Milets of the world, the Brendan Burchards of the world, the Tony Robbins of the world. Like I consider those people to be my mentors, and I've never met any of them. Yeah. But it's because I've invested in what it is that they have to teach. That's what mentorship is, is that you're opening up your mind and your heart to allow somebody to pour into you. It's not you going out and like riding somebody's coattail right. to the top. It's allowing them to be able to speak into your life. So when it comes to mentorship, everybody needs a mentor. And one of the problems, why I think so many people grow up and they don't realize that they need a mentor and they don't know, um, they don't know how to go about getting one is because we're never taught how to. For sure. Like when we're going through school and stuff like that, like they don't teach these type of skills. Right. And we make it, it's almost like we, when we're going through, we don't empower young people to say that it's okay to raise your hand and admit that you need help. Right. You know, when you look out into yeah. society and you see this mental health epidemic that's going on, that's the reason why is because people don't have the power to raise their hand and say, Hey, I'm struggling. I need help. Yeah. And so even when it comes to mentorship, most people won't do that. We've got this sense of pride. We've got this sense of ego about us that says, I can figure it out on my own. To hell with figuring out on your own. Right. Why make it harder when you can go and get the playbook from somebody that already has it? No, for sure. It's a, it's a, I was, I was, I was that kid. I was that kid that was told to, Hey, you ask too many questions. Shut up. You talk too much. Hey, guess what? Everybody, I'm still talking. Um, like it's just yeah. the fact, right? It's just like, dude, like, like you're taught in school not to fail. You're taught in school that, um, not to talk too much, but then life happens and it's like, wait, I need those skills in life. I need to ask for help. I need to talk. The oil that does the, the wheel that doesn't squeak does not get the oil. That's something my mom always, always told me. Um, something else my mom always told me was every time, check this out. Every time I'd go visit a friend's house, she'd always be like, hey, Warner, make sure you leave that house better than what you found it. Make sure you leave that house better than what you found it. The biggest thing that that triggered in me was I got to make sure I leave this life better than what I found it. You found yeah. your situation, your life, your upbringing to be a certain, certain way. You reached an epiphany when you were in that moment speaking with your daughter, like, hey, I got to go out and get mine. I can't tell you to live your dreams if I don't live mine. What is your legacy and what do you want it to be? You know, I don't, I, it's hard to put into words what I want my legacy to be because when I was younger, I used to think that I want my legacy to be the fact that I want people to miss me when I die. Not from the perspective of like all about me, but I want like other people on the other side of the world to have felt the impact of the work that I'm doing. Like I want to extend my God-given talent yeah. that far. Like I want to impact people on the other side of the world in some way, shape or form. And I actually heard something the other day that said that the average person creates a ripple effect in their life that influences a million other lives. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, but you know what? I don't want a million lives. Yeah. I want 10 million lives. I want a hundred million lives. Right. Not for me, but because I want people to, I want people to experience the awakening that I've had. Right. That sense of power that I've had to be able to step into this, to be able to wake up like this every day. Because yeah. I truly believe, I truly, truly in my heart of heart believe this that nobody wants to live a mediocre life. Right. Nobody does. Yeah. Everybody's got the dream. Everybody's got the ambition. Now, does everybody have the work ethic to go out and actually do it? No. But what I want my legacy to be is the fact that I showed everybody the possibility for their life. 
Right. I showed everybody that they have it inside of them to be able to go and reach their own mountaintop, whatever it looks like for them. Like, that's what I want people to know me for is that Justin was that guy that always believed in me. I posted something on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about how until people got to the point where they believed that they could actually reach their dreams on their own, like, I was going to hold space for their dreams. Yeah. And some people are like, dude, that's kind of ambitious. I don't care. Like, that's a, that's a, a weight that I'm willing to shoulder. Yeah. I want to sh- be able to show people, and I want to hold space for people's dreams. If anybody comes to me, they're like, Justin, I want to change my life. I want to chase my dreams. I'm like, let's go. I am here for that every single day of the week. Yeah. No, that's powerful, man. This is, this is the first time I asked this question, and I just – your energy is making me ask this question. The beauty about content, the beauty about social media, the beauty about everything we're creating today is that they'll be able to access this 100 years from now. They'll be able to access this 20 years from now, right? So, so take this time and let's say, let's say we're fast forwarding this and your kids can hear this message today. Yeah. What is that message you want your kids to have as adults? And what is that message you want our audience to have now? The biggest message that I would give to anybody is don't run from your dreams. Don't ever settle in life as cliche as it sounds, man. Yeah. Like, just, just look at the world right now. Like, literally look at the world right now. And I'm not talking about the COVID thing, but even then, like the fear that's put inside of us, it, it, whether you're looking at the statistics or not, like the reason people are so afraid is because they're not taking responsibility for their own lives. They're not taking their own power and standing in that and creating the life that they want out of that. Right. So don't run from your life. Like, wake up to the fact that you were created to be great. Now, it may not be in the same way that I'm created to be great. It may not be in the same way that Warner's created to be great. But you have greatness inside of you, and your life was meant for more than just you. Mm. Like, I believe that every single one of us, part of our purpose is the service of other people. So when we hold our purpose inside of us, when we don't step into it, when we don't share it with the world, that's one of the most selfish things that we can do in this life. Because we were put here for a purpose. We were not put here to just go through life going through the motions just to die a sad and lonely death. Right. We were put here to influence this world. Going back to what you said, we were put here, every single one of us, were put here to leave this earth, this world, a better place in some way, shape, or form. So when you're doubting yourself, when you're doubting whether or not you're meant for greatness, you are. It may look different than everybody else's, but I'm telling you, there is no greater sense of fulfillment in this life than waking up knowing that you're stepping into your personal power every single day and that you're going out and you are using your gifts and your talents to serve other people. Man, I feel like I feel like doing that Vegeta like power up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, that is that is absolutely powerful, man. Um, Justin, tell us where can we find you if we needed to get in touch with you? Where, 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 where? Yeah, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. It's at Justin S. Aldridge, and then my website, justinaldridge.me. Awesome, brother. Hey, I appreciate you for being on. Thank you for taking the time out of your family, out of your business today to be here with us. Um, Everybody, follow Justin Aldridge. He's on my IG. This dude is straight up fire. Thank you again, Justin. Warner, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, my pleasure.